electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures essentially flat here as the stimulus waiting game continues. Uh, some differences narrow, but skepticism remains. It's really Netflix, Snap, Texan, and Verizon are the stories of the morning, and that's where our roadmap will begin. Netflix down 4% pre-market on that sub-miss, but Snap shares surging to what may be an all-time high today. Plus, Verizon delivering an earnings beat this morning, although continued concerns about a new price war amongst the big carriers. They did add more monthly phone subscribers than expected. Han Vestberg, Hans Vestberg, going to join us later in the program. And stimulus status quo, Speaker Pelosi remains optimistic about a pre-election aid package. I don't know. Talks are continuing today, Carl. Not sure how Mitch McConnell feels about all that. Yeah, we got Meadows on the tape, too, making some comments about that. But we'll get to that in a bit, guys. Let's start with Snap, though, Jim. Hard to start anywhere else as they crush uh, the estimates. Revenue up 50. RBC this morning says uh, the growth looks less like a V and more like a check mark. And I saw you gave uh, Evan Spiegel some shout outs on Twitter last I night. I had to. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of followers. Uh, so I don't know. He didn't bounce it back to me. Uh, unlike uh, uh, <laughs> there are some people who get right involved in when you like one of my guests today, Mr. Fisker. But Fisker. But one of the things that I found that was spectacular was when I first started the street, we had a guy from advertising. I won't mention his name. And he said, look, the holy grail is to get someone to start using Colgate when they're 16. But Snap, augmented reality, is all about reaching that age before they decide, you know, look, it's going to be Old Spice or it's going to be whatever, I, I don't know, Church and Dwight or Cloroxes, whatever they have. And what matters is that you can reach these people. You can't reach them through conventional TV anymore. David, they don't watch the shows because they have commercials, okay? They don't watch the shows because they think the shows aren't any good. They like this. Yes. And you know it because your kids are addicted to Snap. Well, one was more addicted to TikTok, but they use Snap to communicate. Yes. That's what they use it for. Yes. They use it as, as we old people use text. Exactly. And we're pretty proud of the fact that we use text, but yeah, they, I can't even communicate with my kids because they're not texting. They're on Snap, which right. I'm not on. Um, but Jim, it's beyond just uh, the daily average users, which was uh, daily active users, which increased 18% to over 249 million. Right. It's the revenue number. And the revenue oh. number of 52% to 679 million yeah. raises a question as to whether or not they also are starting to get some ad budgets diverted from TV. Uh, that's exactly my point. I think they are. And I think that this is the denouement, uh, so to speak of traditional advertising, because the numbers we're seeing from Snap, Carl, from Pinterest, I think advertisers for a long time were about having martini lunches. You can't even go out anymore. <laughs> Nobody goes out. And so what happens is they're not putting on TV. They're, they're Snap. They're using Snap, augmented reality. Uh, they're looking Pinterest. That's how you, you, you want to figure out how to take a trip. You go on Pinterest. The ads are all integrated. They're basically personalized. This is the denouement. Look, I worked in radio when radio was big before the screen got small. Dave, that's a reference to the sun, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, but this, this, this is it. Yes. How about that elephant Cheryl that you put on last night? Holy cow, Carl. Uh, but I do think that I follow. If you don't follow Carl, Carl's like the best follow. In the totally. World. He's a great follow. Uh, yeah, without makes a me doubt. want to buy Twitter, which I think will be up a lot today. But when you look at these numbers, you realize that maybe TV's doing what it did to the movies, movies, let alone radio. And now I think Snap is doing to TV. It, it, it's really extraordinary. Yeah. Let's it, talk. Really extraordinary. Some, some price targets, Jim. We'll get to the pins upgrade a little bit later today. Actually, there's two of them. Uh, but uh, yesterday, Evercore went to 35 Snap. 
And yeah. it's basically there. We got a few more today. Uh, Morgan Stanley, 36, RBC, 45. How are we going to know when uh, it starts to get rich again? Well, I think that this is a real moving target. I mean, look at Facebook. We're at it. See, once you get rolling, once you start growing. Now, I heard someone say, well, listen, it's really mostly international. I mean, I don't really care. Facebook was mostly international. That's when it really took off. So I look at these numbers and I think, all right, uh, you got a juggernaut in this market. A juggernaut lasts for more than a quarter. Uh, and I think this is real. By the way, Spiegel on the conference call, he sounded every bit like someone who is versus if you listen to his early conference calls, they were like, you know, it was like our gang comedy. I mean, not now. David Spiegel speaks the speak. He's focused. He talks the talk. He talks the talk. Uh, yeah, they are, uh, you know, they're closing that ARPU gap with Twitter, mm-hmm. which is also something I'd heard this morning that's important. And they, you know, they did, to their credit, uh, I'm told, in talking to investors quite some time ago, they were talking about getting back to 50% revenue growth. They were laughed at to a certain extent, Jim, yeah. when they did that, and now they've delivered it. No, I laughed at them the same way that John Travolta laughed at Carrie. Uh, in uh, in one of the greatest movies ever. I mean, it was like, you know, they're all going to laugh at you. I was part of the chorus. Well, I dumped the blood on Evan Spiegel's head. But what really matters is, is that not only did he beat those numbers, but no longer are we worried about his uh, the fees. Remember, David, the fees he had to pay for, for his data center? And everyone thought that that was going to be uh, the strangle and he wouldn't make it. And he had that CFO used to call you. And he was like, hey, listen, we're great. And it was like, really not great. Well, now it's just one professionally run company, maybe the most professional of all the Internet conference calls other than Facebook. Really? Yes. They've risen that quickly. Carl, this was a magnificent conference call. Magnificent. Um, Just to give viewers a sense of what it was like, uh, here's Evan last night. As we look at, uh, you know, competition more broadly, obviously entertainment services do compete with the content section of our business, but obviously uh, the core driver of engagement on Snapchat is communication, and that has been impacted by COVID. You know, in the areas that are more open, like in Europe and whatnot, we see less of an impact. We think some of that's due to the fact that, you know, maybe people are making fewer friendships or things like that when they're stuck in their houses. And, you know, that's something we're paying attention to, but overall, uh, you know, our audience in the U.S. and in North America uh, is growing. See, that was uh, good. Jim, I, I know you were defending I know you were defending Netflix before the top of the hour, but yes. can you help viewers understand the difference in dynamics versus what's driving Snap yeah, versus first, what's driving Netflix? Yeah, first, the only thing he did wrong, and I'll have to get in touch with him, is he used two you knows. You do not ever say you know. I thought we learned that in fifth grade, David. He used you know. It took away from the artistry of the conference call. Uh, what happened with Snap? is augmented reality, but also he's very much in touch with his customers. I didn't think he initially was in touch. The the Android redo uh, was incredibly important. Netflix, if you want to contrast Netflix, what they did in the previous conference call was what they do is basically say, here's our internal forecast. So everybody's freaking out. But if you listen to the Netflix conference call, you recognize that they have gotten this 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 national to international model where there are they mention a, a Mexican novella that you must watch. I mean, I wrote down everything that they have, Carl, and people are watching 72 million, 80 million. I mean, it's what plays in Korea, plays in the United States. They're talking about having a slate of movies next year that makes you feel like, what is everyone else moaning about? So I think that Netflix, which I call one of my magnificent seven, which is that when it goes down, you buy it. I love the call. Now, some may think that they're complacent. David, they weren't complacent. They're original. They're artists. And they know how to produce a slate that makes it so that subs will go up. Yeah, although there seems to be concern, uh, not in the U.S., Jim, but in their areas where they've been relying on for growth. I mean, you mentioned international earlier. And certainly for Netflix, that's been very important to their growth. Right. Um, And in Latin America and EMEA, uh, they had a lot of churn, perhaps due to the pandemic. Things have been hit hard down there. Yes. That's an important area for them. Uh, And so the growth could be a bit harder, particularly in some of these regions outside of the U.S. that have been hit hard by the pandemic where unemployment is higher and people are turning off the service. Well, he did say, listen, I mean, go back to that last conference call before this. He said, look, you're not going to see numbers like this. 
I mean, these numbers, I mean, he's basically saying these numbers are ridiculous. It's completely pull through. I mean, he, he ain't selling Lysol or Mr. Clean. He recognized that his products, once you, you've seen them, I mean, maybe you don't need to see them again. I keep buy, buying Mr. Clean and Lysol. That's, I mean, by the way, those, look at those four things there. Those four bullets don't exactly speak to your positive forecast. Now, by the way, you very well may end up being right. You typically are. And then this name, but Q3 subscriber additions short of expectations. They disappointed on their growth forecast for the fourth quarter. Biggest earnings miss they've ever had. And it's three straight quarters. Now, missing estimates, we know, you know, that's sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. What? You don't you don't think that any of that points to some what I mean, if this company doesn't it's isn't able to it's a magnificent seven stock. It's that an incredible it's an incredible company. Nothing. It has been, as we said earlier, it's become almost what you refer to now as TV. They even indicated yes. in their own a point that I was making where com- uh, um, shows that are produced by others that are on other networks don't actually come to life until they hit Netflix. Well, they used to do it. He says it. You know, Reed says at the beginning of the call that they used to have far more content. But yes. Carl, uh, one of the, I guess I mean, people have to listen to this call because the notion of the call is okay. We made this internal forecast. We knew that we pulled through a lot. We didn't make the internal forecast. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what we're going to do next year. And when I listen to the slate of movies, and then when I see the awards and what they do, I just think that their programming is going to be brilliant. I mean, Hillbilly L. LG, LG, I read that book. I mean, Howard Schultz told me to read that. I read the book. I mean, I'll watch that. It's Ron Howard, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I mean, David looks at it. He suddenly realizes, wow, that's Jim's right. He, I got I to gotta watch that. I mean, David, no, the, the, the he actually, the first, time, the first time that David's looked at me in 22 years, like, ooh. You know, it was like one of those, whoop. It was, it was like a Scooby-Doo. He did a Scooby-Doo on me. Well, uh, Jim, uh, your point's good in that um, Hastings has long talked about various forms of competition that are non-traditional. Uh, sleep being one of them at right. one point. I don't like but that last one. night he did specifically reference HBO and TikTok, for example. Take a listen to that. We compete so broadly. We compete for time against you know TikTok and YouTube, as well as HBO, as well as Fortnite. So. Really, the the limiter for us is, you know, what's the quality of our service? Um, How often, how many nights do you say, oh, my God, I want to go to Netflix and, and, you know, watch the next show? Well, I'll tell you what I'm seeing this morning, Jim, are are more suggestions about pricing power, uh, phasing out free trials. Don't try setting up a new Gmail account to get a few months free. Uh, Those things, at least in North America, look maybe like they're coming off. Yeah, you listen, I... Don't try to pry my Netflix with my cold, dead hands. I mean, Netflix is rather remarkable. Hey, by the way, what we left out in that thing was he welcomes these guys. I mean, he welcomes them. Can you imagine if you're watching uh, Major League Baseball? David, it's the World Series. I don't know if you're aware. Um, and, and you say, you know what? I really welcome football against us. You'd be fired. Like, well, you know, who's? did you know on the Thursday night game that we're playing against the Giants and the Eagles? Wow, I welcome that. You'd be fired. You're not supposed to do that. But Reed Hastings is so confident, he welcomes the competition. That's my kind of guy. That's my Belichick. He's my Belichick with a human face. He's your Belichick, huh? Yeah, with a human face, though. Right, right. All right. Well, we'll get to free cash flow a, a bit later. Of course, they did generate more than man, it might have been anticipated, but they're not spending as much given the production shutdowns. That Admit that you gave me a Scooby-Doo. I did. Thank I you. Did. <laughs> You're welcome. Done. <laughs> Guys, we'll take a break. Uh, Hans Vesper is going to join us uh, this hour, talk about Verizon's quarter. Nice beat on wireless subs uh, raising their guidance. We'll get to GM and Texan and the pins upgrade and the slack downgrade when Squawk on the Street comes back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
Did want to get to Verizon earnings, as we've mentioned. Of course, Hans Vestberg, the company's CEO, will be joining us a bit later uh, in the hour. The stock doesn't appear to be poised to do too much, though uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be down. Actually, maybe up a bit. 6.1 million postpaid device activations, 136,000 retail postpaid net ads as well. Uh, it was a buck five was the overall uh, earnings per share number. That's compared to a buck 25 for the third quarter of 2019. Adjusted after special uh, non-gap, excluding a special item, gets you right in line at 125 versus 125 uh, a year ago. Jim, there is concern and question about a, a price war uh, and something certainly we're going to want to talk to Vestberg uh, about as well. You know, there's uh, some good money to be made from turning in your old iPhone to get a new one, but that sort of subsidizes things. And uh, we've got three big competitors now. It's not like T-Mobile taking customers from Sprint anymore. Nope, they're not. And I think they have a pretty darn good network. David, yesterday we spoke substantially about antitrust and about the notion that somehow Apple and Google have a tying opportunity that they've been abusing. David, if you had a price war, ATT is the loser. It would be a, it would be a price war where you'd have to identify whether they're actually giving it away below cost in order to terminate ATT's ability to compete. Is there a possibility, David, that they could get to the point where ATT can't spend enough to maintain its network? Because you see that there is a 7.7% yield for ATT, and I find that anything north of six is unsustainable. You do? Yes. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, certainly, we know that AT&T has a very sizable debt load. They've yes. got no trouble handling that debt load at present in terms mm-hmm. of in terms of uh, maintaining it, maintaining the dividend, given where they are in terms of how much cash they generate. They are also in the process of raising some money and offloading some debt. I've talked about the DirecTV transaction, which continues to move uh, in terms of a potential buyer there for what would be not necessarily uh, a majority of it at first, uh, less than that, but nonetheless would be perhaps seen as a positive. Jim, maybe there's other asset sales that might be coming as well for AT&T. Unclear. Stanky has not given any real articulation of any plan on that front, but we'll see. Well, what would happen if someone charged them, a, uh, Verizon, with predatory pricing and uh, T-Mobile with predatory pricing, which would their predatory price selling below their, pro- what, what their cost, which then knocks out ATT? You really think that's a possibility? You're really bringing up the idea that they would they would engage in some sort of price war to sort of but force at and They to, can signal to each to other. Do what? Now, look, I'm not saying Cut it's dividend? obviously it's look, it's a violation of Sherman Antitrust. I'm but so I'm not saying they'll do it. But you know what, David? A price war. It's not like look if Vestberg picked up the phone and called T-Mobile. No, but if if Vestberg suddenly cuts rates big. Oh. And then uh, but they're T-Mobile all, they does are it. all fighting with each other. And again, we do have three now well-capitalized competitors. Right. Well, look, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just going Carl, I, I look for situations where I can get more a uh, 5% yield because that's about all that you can afford. Uh, 6%, I've been going over IBM. I think they can pay the dividend because I look at the cash flow. I think the cash flow is bountiful enough. I'm not worried about the dividend, but you know what? You say mm-hmm. that, something happens. But I look at this ATT dividend, and I don't know. 7.7 is not reassuring. It's a red flag, Carl. I don't want people in this in this one thinking, ooh, I can pick up a little extra income. Never reach for income, people at home. Never. Buy Verizon, 4%. Very good. Kind of like a bond with a kicker. I don't want, Carl, I don't want people in something that may not that. It, so, it is risky. To your point, ExxonMobil with a, it's coming up 10.3% yield. Don't reach for that. No, don't. Thank you for that. You're welcome. The prosecution rests. Okay. Yeah, Jim. I mean, you've mentioned Chevron several times through the lens of the yield in the last couple of weeks. But there, Worth has said, I mean, you know, Mike has come on our air uh, and said over and over again not to worry. His balance sheet is quite good, though. He, he did not wreck his balance sheet. He's made a series of good moves. I have more faith in his 7% than I have in anybody else's 7%. Got something in your eye, David? Can I get it for you? No, I'm okay. Thank you. Just a little. I got, I got some. Uh, if you need some, I got what some. What do you prices. got? You got your virtual pharmacy over there. Uh, not virtual. No. Actual. You're actual. Yeah. Every <laughs> seller. I mean, everything's virtual these days. We need some Xanax. What Send me a for? holograph of it. No. There's uh, there's Rite Aid. There's Walgreens. <laughs> And there's Kramer's desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, gotta tell you, I have everything other than a, than a test for, oh, got that at 2 o'clock today. That, COVID. Oh, oh, that's right. COVID test day. Yep. Hooray.
<laughs> Still to come, guys, um, we're going to talk to Larry Kudlow about the status of stimulus talks, about uh, liability protection, whether McConnell actually did warn the White House and a lot more. That's coming up. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Did want to get to Verizon earnings, as we've mentioned. Of course, Hans Vestberg, the company's CEO, will be joining us a bit later uh, in the hour. The stock doesn't appear to be poised to do too much, though uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be down. Actually, maybe up a bit. 6.1 million postpaid device activations, 136,000 retail postpaid net ads as well. Uh, it was a buck five was the overall uh, earnings per share number. That's compared to a buck 25 for the third quarter of 2019. Adjusted after special uh, non-gap, excluding a special item, gets you right in line at 125 versus 125 uh, a year ago. Jim, there is concern and question about a, a price war uh, and something certainly we're going to want to talk to Vestberg uh, about as well. You know, there's uh, some good money to be made from turning in your old iPhone to get a new one, but that sort of subsidizes things. And uh, we've got three big competitors now. It's not like T-Mobile taking customers from Sprint anymore. Nope, they're not. And I think they have a pretty darn good network. David, yesterday we spoke substantially about antitrust and about the notion that somehow Apple and Google have a tying opportunity that they've been abusing. David, if you had a price war, ATT is the loser. It would be a it would be a price war where you'd have to identify whether they're actually giving it away below cost in order to terminate ATT's ability to compete. Is there a possibility, David, that they could get to the point where ATT can't spend enough to maintain its network? Because you see that there is a 7.7% yield for ATT, and I find that anything north of six is unsustainable. You do? Yes. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, certainly, we know that AT&T has a very sizable debt load. They've yes. got no trouble handling that debt load at present in terms mm-hmm. of, in terms of uh, maintaining it, maintaining the dividend, given where they are in terms of how much cash they generate. They are also in the process of raising some money and offloading some debt. I've talked about the DirecTV transaction, which continues to move uh, in terms of a potential buyer there for what would be not necessarily... Uh, a majority of it at first, uh, less than that, but nonetheless would be perhaps seen as a positive. Jim, maybe there's other asset sales that might be coming as well for AT&T. Unclear. Stanky has not given any real articulation of any plan on that front, but we'll see. Well, what would happen if someone charged them a, uh, Verizon with predatory pricing and uh, T-Mobile with predatory pricing? which would their predatory price selling below their their cost, which then knocks out ATT. You really think that's a possibility? You're really bringing up the idea that they would they would engage in some sort of price war to sort of force AT&T to signal each other. Look, I'm not saying obviously it's look, it's a violation of Sherman antitrust. I'm but so I'm not saying they'll do it. But you know what, David, a price war. It's not like, look, if Vestberg picked up the phone and called T-Mobile. No, but if if Vestberg suddenly cuts rates big. And then uh, they are all fighting with each other. And again, we do have three now well capitalized competitors. Right. Well, look, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just going, Carl, I I look for situations where I can get more uh, 5 percent yield because that's about all that you can afford. Six percent. I've been going over IBM. I think they can pay the dividend because I look at the cash flow. I think the cash flow is bountiful enough. I'm not worried about the dividend. But you know what? You say mm-hmm. that, something happens. But I look at this ATT dividend, and I don't know. 7.7 is not reassuring. It's a red flag, Carl. I don't want people in this in this one thinking, ooh, I can pick up a little extra income. Never reach for income, people at home. Never. Buy Verizon, 4%. Very good. Kind of like a bond with a kicker. I don't want, Carl, I don't want people in something that may not, that is, so, that is risky. To your point, ExxonMobil with a, it's coming up, 10.3% yield. Don't reach for that. No, don't. Thank you for that. You're welcome. 
the prosecution rests. Okay. Yeah, Jim. I mean, you've mentioned Chevron several times through the lens of the yield in the last couple of weeks. But there, Worth has said, I mean, you know, Mike has come on our air uh, and said over and over again not to worry. His balance sheet is quite good, though. He, he did not wreck his balance sheet. He's made a series of good moves. I have more faith in his 7% than I have in anybody else's 7%. You got something in your eye, David? Can I get it for you? No, I'm okay. Thank you. Just a little. Because I got, I got some. Uh, if you need some, I got what some. What do you spices. got? You got your virtual pharmacy over there. Uh, not virtual. No. Actual. You're actual. Yeah. Every <laughs> seller. I mean, everything's virtual these days. We need some Xanax. What Send me a for? holograph of it. No. There's uh, there's totally Rite Aid. There's Walgreens. <laughs> And there's Kramer's desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pharmacy. I got to tell you, I have everything other than a, than a test for, oh, got that at 2 o'clock that today. The, COVID. Oh, oh, that's right. COVID test day. Yep. Hooray. <laughs> Still to come, guys, um, we're going to talk to Larry Kudlow about the status of stimulus talks, about uh, liability protection, whether McConnell actually did warn the White House and a lot more. That's coming up. Welcome back. Time for a mad dash. We do stand again, although, you know, socially distanced. In oh, fact, course. times two. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, it's, it, I don't think you're I think your droplets end right about here. OK, good. Shit, don't talk while I'm doing that droplet Sorry. thing. Sorry. Well, we're all getting tested, as we said today, every Wednesday. Oh, great. After, after you've given it. to Well, me. I'll Thank let you. you know. I would certainly right. want to do that. All right. Let's get to our mad dash. We've got about uh, four minutes, uh, six minutes or so before we get started with an opening bell. Texas Instruments. Wow. I mean, it was a wow. And what made it a while was really incredible. I mean, everyone kind of knew that personal electronics was good because you got that, you know, from Best Buy. It's good. Intel ports later this week. We know that PCs are good. But, David, it was automotive. That's what drove it. The rebound of automotive. And this is important because AutoNation reported good. I have Lithium Motors, which is the, you know, huge. They're, they're reporting great numbers. Right. And you're now going to start getting fill a bow with an amazing piece this morning about a, a Hummer, electric Hummer, that's really going to cost 110000 wow. David, autos are back. Remember just even in February when we put the death of the auto, when we were yes. talking about Uber? Yes. Well, now it's the death of one of those. Well, Uber had a nice comments yesterday. But everybody wants a car again because we're all driving alone and we want to get places. The heck with mass transit. We regard that as being not socially distant. And uh, I thought this was amazing. I think we have to start emphasizing the car companies. I have uh, Fisker on tonight. They got to deal with Magna. 
Um, they got Bill McDermott on the board, too. Wow. But I thought automotive, David, was the star hearing, of the show. Is there a read-through to, like, NXPI or something like that? Absolutely. That's yeah. Thank you for that. NXPI should be up 10% right now. Wow. Yeah, they have even more auto. It could be through the Illinois Tool Works, okay? These are the ones. Everyone should be doing that homework, and I just gave it to you. All right. We got a lot more coming, of course, <laughs> including... Hans Vestberg, as we said, of course, CEO of uh, Verizon, will be our guest shortly. And an opening bell four and a half minutes from now. Stay with us on Squawk in the Street. Jim was just mentioning autos, uh, the GM news about the electric Hummer a moment ago. And, Jim, AutoNation's going to open above 68, and that's going to take out the 2015 high. Well, this is a very good example, Carl, of, of what I was talking about earlier, like, like keeping with Netflix. It, uh, but certainly with a lot of stocks like Texas Instruments. Everyone knew Texas Instruments was going to be good. So how could it still go up after they put a great number? And the answer to that is when you read the conference call, it's about how there's permanent changes in people's behavior and buying. AutoNation, it's permanent change. Uh, uh, Reckitt and Ben Keyser, permanent change. Proctor, per- permanent change. People want a car. People want a truck. People do not want to be in a carpool and they don't want to be in mass transit, and they got to get around. And AutoNation is the place to buy a car. Same with Lithia Motors, LAD. I know Lithia, that's where my daughter lived in Oregon. It's a, it sounds like it's some regional little car dealer. It's nationwide. Autos, we're going to get through, and we're already starting to realize that we're almost through. Oh, look at that, will you? It looks like a cloud stock. Um, when, you, when you finally finish the used auto biz and you start going to the new, we're going to get builds like you wouldn't believe. I think this business is in bull market mode, just like housing was. Watch autos, every single one. And GM is not going up idly, but I like the parts. Magna, another great name. PPG, mm-hmm. another great name. P- PPG, yeah. And, and Texan, as you mo- mentioned a moment ago, there's the opening bell here as we uh, await more headlines regarding a stimulus, which we'll talk about in a minute. Jim, I know you were watching uh, the GM interview with Phil LeBeau this morning, and uh, the Nicola promise of the, that Nicola deal being finalized and the tightening of the race, as Phil put it, regarding battery technology. So what implications does that have for Tesla? Is competition at scale finally here? Uh, I think that I know that the, the GM people are very nice. OK, so they should hold their ears. Uh, you're not going to catch. You're just not going to catch Elon. I mean, he's just not going to let it happen. He, he is one step ahead of the posse at all times. And what, what did we say this morning on Brian Sullivan's show that Tesla, something like their EV is big, you know, bigger than all the other EVs combined. So I think there's room. I don't think it's a situation, though, where Reed Hastings says, I welcome competition. I think that, uh, look, I, I, I think that Elon wants to destroy competition. So I'm not that worried. Uh, but remember, younger people want EV, and they want EV stocks. I mean, I got this Henrik Fisker on because the world came into my Twitter feed and said, how can you not love Henrik Fisker? He's a designer, a designer of uh, pollution-free cars. And because Bill McDermott, we know Bill from ServiceNow and SAP, joined the board, and because Magna made a deal with them, I felt like I'm cornered here in being skeptical. EV is so loved. Dave, do you know how much EV's loved? Uh, yes, I'm aware that it is. It is in favor. Yes. Could you be more what's, enthusiastic? What's wrong? Why? It's loved. Okay, it's it's loved. The planet over. What percentage of vehicles on the road are EV? Like one percent. Yeah, I think about one percent, right? Yeah, but that Maybe means there's bit. room. There's a lot there's of a lot room. room. <laughs> a lot there's of room. A, yeah, runway. a lot of upside. A lot of tam. People come on my show at, at night on Man Monday and say, the TAM is great. What are you like, TAM O'Shanter? I mean, come on. It's total adjustable market. Don't speak the speaker. Don't act like you're in second year business school, which nobody goes to anymore. There. Said it. Hey, Jim, uh, you, know, you know what's getting some play this morning is this, um, this news out of PayPal. Yeah, it's just going to uh, do that it. That they oh. are going to allow merchants uh, to work in some crypto. Uh, stock was up about 3%. Market, but what do you think that means? Oh boy! Well, crypto, it, it, there, it, there is kind of an underworld to crypto. Again, the crypto people think it's not an underworld. They think it's very easy to buy. You can just call anybody. You can buy. Not true. Not true. This is a brilliant move by Dan Shulman. Remember Dan? I mean, Square does it too. That was one of the reasons why Square went up so much. But Dan Shulman is about democracy of money, and he's going to make it so crypto is going to be part of our daily. Of course, now crypto is the hype for the year. But uh, look, this is just bank with Dan and get some crypto. 
I think you should get some crypto for your kids. David, you should buy crypto for both your kids. Um, they're going to enable their customers to buy, hold, and sell cryptocurrency directly from their PayPal account, as Carl Fabulous. said. Signal no its plans as well to significantly increase cryptocurrency's utility by making it available as a funding source for purchase at its 26 million merchants worldwide. That's fabulous. What about uh, money laundering? What about the Russians? I don't know. I could go on. You from can there. think about the dark about side of anything. Regulation. That certainly the, the likes won, of some of their competitors. When the Mets won the World Series, were you able to find a downside? You felt bad for someone? I mean, well, what? It, what? Last Buckner? time we won was 1986. So, I mean, it's no, been a long honestly, time. No, but honestly, do you have like a downside of anything? Like, I could find the downside it. of a lot of things. That's well, kind of what saying, I'm here yes. for. Yes, I right. am There's, your Debbie Downer. What yeah, can I tell is, you? There is, could be money laundering and whatever. But I do think and that whatever? the... And <laughs> whatever. And <laughs> whatever. How about J.P. Morgan taking ah. PayPal? Say again? J.P. Morgan. What about it? In my ear, my producer, executive producer said. Yeah, no, they, um, they, they're taking a shot at Square and PayPal, Jim, with this new thing called Quick Accept. Uh, this is like another what? example. I mean, this, yeah. this is like their fit. But you know, how many times are they going to try to get in, try to beat PayPal? I mean, it's embarrassing. I mean, they have, they've had like myriad times. So People don't is, use PayPal. They, they don't go well, it's gonna be to Bitcoin, chase for that Ethereum, kind of thing. Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, directly within the PayPal. This is, listen, you've talked a great deal, Jim, about digital currency. Or right. not digital currency, digital payment systems. Right. You look at the market cap on this thing. Look what it's done since it was split off from um, yeah, remember when it went all those to be years ago. Yeah. But they've been losing. It's only a $240 billion dollar company. Uh, courtesy of Lisa Ellis, who's the best analyst on this. Uh, she said, uh, your friends Moffitt and Nathanson. Small business uh, to medium size. They keep losing business to Square, to Clover, to PayPal. And do you remember once they, they actually had Chase Pay and Chase Net? I mean, Chase is, Chase is like, no. Okay, when it comes to this stuff, small, medium-sized business, David, Chase has not done it. They're just too big to handle small business. Square's not. Square pursued my restaurant endlessly. Endlessly. I finally took it in. I couldn't take it anymore. Well, uh, listen, to, your, to the point we've been making, PayPal is a larger market cap, far larger than Bank of America. They're different things. They are different things. And one's growing very quickly. And now it's going to allow its merchants to accept Bitcoin. Carl, I'm doing a, uh, a podium panel tonight for, uh, for Robinhood. Don't worry, I cleared it. It's all fine. And it's not. It's the Robinhood mm-hmm. that's, that's, that, that doesn't lose money. It's the, it's the uh, charity. <laughs> and, uh, and, and we're yeah. talking about the notion of what the young people want and what the, uh, these new investors want. And they're not looking at market cap. They are not. Traditionally, we would look at market cap and say, well, it's ridiculous. JP no, Morgan's worth no. a lot. They don't do that. It's not. I do want to add, guys, just just to, sorry, Carl, just to put a quick end at me, because I did raise this question. PayPal has been granted what they call a first of its kind conditional bit license by the New York State Department of Financial Services, which is a significant regulator. Yeah, that means the end of money laundering in Russia. Just kidding. You're right. But, Carl, you know, these new ones, they don't look at it and say, wow, that's almost as big as J.P. Morgan. That's what we used to say, hey, we're almost as as big as U.S. Steel. Yep, I was. I, I tweeted or I retweeted a chart this morning of the um, on various platforms which participants have the largest share of sub five dollar stocks, and Robinhood is far and away uh, the has the biggest share users of Robinhood more than Ameritrade, uh, more than Schwab, and you're right, they're, they're not looking at things like overall aggregate market cap. No, it's just it's an abstraction for them, and we may hate that. The people on the panel did a little pre. I mean, people don't like that because it's not rigorous. But if, an, or it's 1999. David, they always use this 1999 example. They're not phony companies, these companies. Now, some of the four buck, I don't know. I'm not a penny stock guy either. But this is 19, not 1999. It's not. No. I mean, you could say that Fiskers, that shouldn't deserve its part. The, the SPACs. Very good discussion this morning with the woman who runs NASDAQ mm-hmm. and about whether SPACs are way around it. Uh, but th- they like SPACs, too. SPACs have been getting a, ba- a bit battered lately. There's a, been an, an enormous amount of supply. You can take a look at some of the names, some of the big ones um, that have been done. They've been down, like that multi-plan that I've followed closely has been hit hard. Um, not stopping anybody from continuing to, to uh, 
to create new SPACs uh, still every day, virtually every day. Uh, we're still waiting on a lot of pricings, though. I have friends who point. are like, do you know that I have two friends that are going to have SPACs announced for actually three friends? Yeah. And they, they're going to announce them. And one of them just brought one. And it's kind of interesting. I don't want to just mention, but I, Carl, I mean, when friends call you and say, listen, I've been approached to do a SPAC, I've been approached to do a SPAC, I mean, it, it's incredible. How many people are approached to do I was approached to do two SPACs. I, I reminded them I have a job. And it didn't even matter to them. No, if we got you, our SPAC would sell. Well, no, no, I work for CNBC. I can't be. But the, the, if you don't have a SPAC, you're a loser. You're nobody. Yeah. I mean, Peter, <laughs> yeah. what, Peter Navarro's SPAC. How's that doing? The Kodak. The Kodak, yeah. I haven't looked at K- KOD. But Carl, I'm not kidding. A, a one person who told me they had a SPAC, it had the greatest idea. And they were, she was promised $400 million. Well, here's 400 million. I mean, they're giving away money. And now immediately people are going to say, well, that's the fault of the Fed. No, it's the SEC. If they want well, to make it so also a to- way for hedge funds to park money. I know that sounds strange. No, but in terms not. of just put it, instead of putting it in cash, you put it in one of the SPACs, right? You're, you're guaranteed. Basically, it's 10 bucks. And it, you can vote against the deal or not. Right. It gives you an option. And that's been happening as well. Well, it's like everybody is able to print money. It's a really fabulous thing. We can all print money. Well. It's better than getting no return whatsoever when you're in cash. And there's True. no downside, conceivably. Not right. until they announce their deal and then people don't like Does it. Does the U.S. Out. mint, to the, are the mints but mad? But it still goes through. Is Say the Denver again? mint mad? I don't San Francisco know. mint? Philadelphia mint? Are they mad? They print there. Got it. Carl? Yeah, you can tell because there's the, the letter on the coin. Um, guys, <laughs> tenure, 81 basis points this morning. Uh, let's get to Rick Santelli. Absolutely, Carl. We're seeing all long maturities, well, the entire curve, but especially 10s and 30s, really start to zoom, zoom, zoom a bit. Look at a 24-hour chart of 10-year. We're up to 83 and a half at one point. If you look at a four-day chart since last Friday's strong retail sales, you, should, you can see we built upon the previous day's High yields every session. Today's no exception. And as we continue to do that and look at all the yield curve spread steepening, I've said for five weeks now that the knob, notes over bonds, the steepening of that spread on the long end is always symbolic of all rates generally going up. And then you add in this kabuki dance a a couple weeks in front of an election of trying to dole out more money with regard to Congress. And I think that, you know, the table is set. Uh, More fiscal stimulus is going to be higher rates. Pure and simple. But if you look at the long end in deference to the last time we're up here, it's June. You can see whether it's 10s or whether it's 30s. And, of course, uh, many are thinking that we can get through 90 base points and actually test a whole 1% in 10-year note yields, which sounds quite high considering the all-time low yield not that long ago was a half of 1% or 50 basis points, just to put that in context. Here's something very fascinating, though. If you look at what's going on with regard to uh, tens minus boons, we continue to outrun European rates. Uh, Right now, the difference is about 140, 141 basis points. Look at tens on top of dollar. The dollar should be going up with higher rates, but it is not. Maybe deficits are going to play a big part in that particular trade. And finally, the Chinese currency by far winning. Look at the dollar yuan. The dollar's now at 27-month lows. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, we'll talk to you later. Uh, Rick Santelli. In the meantime, uh, after the break, we'll talk with Hans Vestberg of Verizon. Shares up about three-quarters of 1%. We're back in a moment. Welcome back. As we've told you, Verizon out with an earnings beat for the third quarter this morning. The company also raised its guidance and, as I said, beat expectations as well in uh, the number of subscribers added for its uh, wireless service. Joining us now is the company's CEO, Hans Vesberg. Hans, always great to have you um, fresh off your conference call. A lot of questions and a lot of concern out there that we're entering into another potential price war amongst now what are the major three major carriers, obviously you being one of the key ones, uh, with what will be significant promotions or subsidies for the new iPhone uh, and potentially a hit to margins to help secure sort of longer term growth. Is that the environment we find ourselves in now? First of all, I think we, we feel really good about our position. I mean, first of all, we have the best 4G network. We have a 5G nationwide that we launched not last week, and we have the so transformative uh, 5G ultra-wideband. And on top of that, of course, we have the iPhone coming out with 
all the iPhone models having the ultra wideband inside them. So we we are used to have comp com a competitive environment, and as you saw, we are updated our guidance for the fourth quarter when it comes to our EPS. So we feel really good about the position we have right now, and the, most important, we feel good about what our customer going to get from us and how we can support them with different type of offerings and of course the best network. So all in all, we feel really good about it, and we, we're used to this type of competition. And 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 as I said, we feel really good about how we are doing our offering and how we are getting new customers. Understood. But I mean, you you reference a competitive environment. Yes, it's always been competition, but we go through cycles, it seems, yeah. where there's more competition in terms of price and less. Are we in one of those where there's going to be more? So when it comes to our offering right now uh, on the pre-orders of the iPhone, that's very similar to what we've had in earlier cycles when the iPhone has come out. So it's not much of a difference. So this is what we're used to, to handle. And I have a huge confidence in my team, in the consumer team, to continue to develop that offer if it's needed. But clearly, we, we, we have been used to working in this environment. And, and again, we feel really confident that we can both grow our top line and we grow with, the, with new customers and continue to actually expand our, our earnings as we up, uh, upgraded our uh, sort of yeah, Hans, EPS guidance Hans, for the quarter. Walt Pysik, one of the analysts who follows you, who we follow uh, as well, estimates you're effectively offering an $800 subsidy for new customers. That's nowhere, that's way more than you were a few years ago when the, with the last iPhone. No, I think we are very similar in that uh, setup. But again, we have always been prudent with our financials. We know what we're dealing with in order to see that we go do the right for our customers, but also doing right for the shareholders. So again, I feel confident about the situation we have, and I, I don't think we should be overly concerned of the situation. This is a normal situation. It's a sort of a big event that iPhone is coming out with 5G. I think it's the second most important launch uh, on, a, on an iPhone since uh, the first launch. So. Of course, there's a lot of buzz in the market, which we think is exciting, especially with our network and our distribution and our customers. Hans, Jim, good to see you. Good seeing you, man. I'm worried. Uh, I don't know how your network, and we talked about this yesterday and also review today in the in times, how can your network deliver meaningful 5G performance, both speed and latency, with what you must acknowledge is limited coverage? Yeah, I think that what we have built right now is something so unique and so transformative. And we have been on to this strategy for many years when it comes to our ultra-wideband, which we are now, last week we turned on, turned on 19 more cities. We have now 55 cities. Right. And we continue to augment in all the cities we are. And I, I will give you one reference point. The last two months, we have built more ultra-wideband sites than we did in the entire 2019. That is the speed we're now augmenting the, the 5 the ultra wideband because we think it is such a transformative and it is so different from any other in the market how they're building the network but also remember that we launched our nationwide last week as well we now have 5d for more than 200 million people as well as 1800 cities so we both have that and in the bottom of all that we have the best 4d network so we feel really good about our situation and giving this experience to our customers okay and what does it mean to say that you feel good about iPhone orders, as you said on the call. Is feel good mean you're shocked that there's so many? Feel good mean that it's just really a great launch? Or does feel good mean like, eh, feel good? <laughs> it feels good, but remember now, the pre-orders right now is for two of the models. The other two models will go on pre-order 6th of November. So, and we have only a couple of days of pre-orders. But again, I'm happy what I'm seeing and uh, how our customers are interacting the first couple of days here. But it, it will take a couple of more days before we can have any final statements or, or know where this is going. And, and, and as well as we need to know on the second batch of the models coming out in pre-orders. But again, we, we see a good traction in our stores. We see a lot of customers uh, making orders. So we are happy with what we have seen so far. Um, Hans, to come back to the network, of course, which you uh, talk about a great deal. I mean, your competitors, including, of course, T-Mobile, which has always been very aggressive in, in their criticism, even under their new CEO versus their last one, would say, you know, when it comes to ultra wideband right now, uh, your availability is less than one percent of your network. Is that true? 
Remember what I said a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> uh, last two months, we did more radio base station ultra-wideband than we did in the entire 2019. So whatever measurement and things that people are talking about, that are old stuff. We are just continuing to augment. And again, we talk about our own network and our own strategy and our customers. That's the most important to us. But we feel really good about where we are with ultra-wideband. Right. And nobody would argue with, the, with your network through the years, which has time and again sort of been the key for the company. But, it, you know, what speeds will customers see on your nationwide 5G network now if they're not on millimeter wave? Uh, what we'll see in the initial right now when we launch is on par or better than our 4G. And remember, our 4G is the award-winning 4G, the best 4G network by far in this country and has been it for I'm not sure how many years, but we're one consecutive years, uh, both Root Metrics and JD Power. So the 5G nationwide is going to be on par or uh, better. And uh, I can tell you, I have the iPhone here, so it's actually giving me a very good 5G signal already here where I'm standing right now. So it's working. Okay, but, but Hans, I mean, it, the reviews have said over and over again, and by the way, I'm going to buy the phone, so I'm, this is a little devil's advocate, but <laughs> that the 5G right now will let you down. It'll seem a lot like 4G. It will be unbelievable when the build-out happens. I just don't want people to be let down by saying, you know what, this is no faster than my 4G right now. I mean, isn't, isn't it true that right now there isn't much difference in lots of parts of the country? As I said, the nationwide on par or slightly better than on a 4G. But remember, you're buying something that's future-proof. I mean, the majority of iPhone users, they keep their phones for a couple of years. Remember what we're building. And this is just the start of our nationwide. And, and you will see so much more from us the next couple of years. Just remember one year ago when we launched our ultra-wideband, we came up to one gigabit per second, and we thought that was great. Yesterday, we put out a press release that we actually achieved five gigabits per second, of course, in special conditions. But so we have so much more to do. So this is future proof what you're buying right now. And especially if you're buying it and, and being part of the Verizon network. So you're future proofed. I mean, at some point, but when, when is that future, I guess? Because we've talked about it so often, Hans, you and I have talked about it. We've talked about it with the enterprise. Yeah. We've talked about the different applications. And you're saying, yeah, we're you know a bit better than 4G right now. But when is the future we've all really been talking about going to actually be here when I buy the phone and get out there wherever I am and use it? No, so the ultra-wideband is already that future-proof and that transformative. So I would say that moving into 2021, we will, we will continuously improve this. And I think that, that that's happening right now. We see applications coming out that it can only be on 5G. I will give you two mentioning. One is a super uh, app the, or the super stadium app with NFL where you can sit in your sofa and have seven screens, screens at the same time on your iPhone and actually pick and choose. The other, which we're launching soon, is, of course, the Wild Raft gaming, which is a multi-gaming on the phone, on 5G, which you cannot have done before. So they're coming out applications right now that never have, could be uh, been, been done before on 4G. So I think it's happening right now. So that's what I'm saying. I'm excited and our customers are excited. All right. Well, we'll be keeping a close eye on it. It's certainly a very important story uh, for Verizon, but for the country as a whole. And we always appreciate your taking time with us. Thank you, Hans. Hmm. Thank you. Hmm. Good stuff. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? Yeah, I mean, look, we have to push them because we don't want people to buy the 5G. And, well, he was pretty articulate on that. We've got an unbelievable show tonight. We've got Parsley, uh, the deal, Pioneer. We got them both. Uh, we have Lithia, which is, by the way, an unbelievably big car company. You need that because I think cars are in. And then there he is, Henrik Fisker. The man that a lot of people feel is the savior and the real competitor in Elon Musk. And you know what? We're going to find out. Is it smoke? Is it mirrors? Or is it money? <laughs> that was great. That was great, Jim. We'll see you tonight. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.